I'm so glad you've made it to East City Wesleyan's podcast uh, page. Uh, my name's Brett Jones. I'm the lead pastor here at East City Wesleyan. Uh, if you would like to find out anything more about uh, who we are and uh, how we're trying to learn to grow closer to God and serve our community, uh, you'd be welcome to get in touch with us at the contact details on the page. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and, and see how we can serve you. Reading this morning is from Ephesians uh, 1. 3 to 14, and then Ephesians 2, verse 10. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. May God bless his reading of his word. Thank you, Judy. You know, I, um, I don't often find myself uh, lost for words. Sometimes that's actually a good thing. <laughs> uh, uh, other times it doesn't matter really how many words you have to say if you don't have the right words. For the moment. Some years ago, I, I actually found myself in this situation, uh, not so much loss for words as not having the right words for the moment. Now, I'd not been a Christian uh, very long, uh, and if I'd learned anything from how I'd come to faith, which I've shared uh, here earlier in the year, if I'd learned anything from that, it was that I was not in control. Really, I was completely out of control when it came to faith. That everything flowed from that moment of faith uh, was down to God and not me. 
not my striving towards him, not my reasoning about him, not my longing to be part of something good. But it did turn out that I was actually still learning the lesson as I found out this particular day. Uh, and uh, truth be told, I'm, I'm, I'm still learning it most days. So I was at a, at a retreat over a long weekend uh, on Queen's birthday. Some of you will actually remember the Aldersgate camps in uh, Topol that were run by the Aldersgate Fellowship within the Methodist Church. And these were renewal weekends, and they were always really deeply impacting moments. And that year, the speaker was someone I felt a real, uh, just a real connection uh, with. Uh, somebody that I was really feeling like he was, he was really speaking directly to me. But I couldn't really put my finger on what exactly it was that I was supposed to draw uh, from this moment, from this weekend. I wasn't sure what God was actually saying to me. There was so much that was good in what I was hearing over that weekend, but I felt there was something more, more than what I was grasping, more than what I was experiencing, more than what I was, was understanding you know, in a deeper heart way. It was that kind of more than moment. So I asked for some time after one of the sessions to sit down and, and talk with him a little more deeply. And when we sat down, he asked me just one question. And it was a little more than a moderate level interview question, as it turned out. And it was just uh, 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 three simple words. Who are Now I knew that it was a trick question. Like I know what I know what I knew what life was about. I knew it was a trick question, but I figured that I'd be able to figure it out because normally I can. Surely I'd be able to figure it out. But it turned out I couldn't. It turns out I just not so much lost for words, but lost for the right words. So I talked about my family relationships. I talked about what I did, what I was good at, you know, my deepest motivations and, and my deepest desires, my hidden fears and vulnerabilities. This was a real counseling session, but none of them were the right answer. It was all, it was all wrong. And I felt, I, felt, uh, I felt dumb not knowing. But with these sorts of questions, if you don't know, you don't know. You can't know. And I didn't know. And finally, finally, he let me off the hook. Now, before I tell you what the answer was, I want you to answer the question for you. So take a moment. It's not going to be a test. It's all right. This is just, this is, you're doing your own working here. Who are you? What I discovered that day is I am a child of God, and so are you. I am a child of God. We are more than all the other things that we might use to answer that question. We are this one thing 
first. Children, I've got all the other things, take a back seat to this. We're, we are more than all of those things. More than. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we gather once more to allow you to speak to us, to allow your word to come alive uh, for us, we pray that you give us open hearts, open eyes, open ears, and that God, we might be uh, encountered by you, that we might encounter your truth, the things that you want to say uh, deep to our hearts. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the book of Ephesians, the letter to the church at Ephesus, we're going to spend a little bit of time in it over the next few weeks, um, is a letter that really captures the grand vision of what God is up to in creation and in the church and in you and me. And it really is this grand vision of peace uh, and unity in the church, uh, a vision for peace between people of diverse backgrounds, And in Ephesians 1, we gain a sense of of the scale of God's plan, but also the intentionality of God's plan uh, for for his creation, uh, not least us. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us. Even before, think about the timeline on this, right? Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That's a mind-blowing thought. God had us in mind before the creation of the world and that we would be in relationship with him. That is quite a statement when you reflect on that. Quite a statement. That we are, we are more than so many things that we, we think are a part of how we came to be. We're more than our biology. We're more than that. We're, we're more than the random chance of our DNA. We're, we're more than the, the chance meeting of unlikely ancestors. more than accidents of history, so much more. God has had us, you and me, in mind since before creation, before we were created, before anything was created. And Ephesians 1, I think, gives us something of the scale of all of this and and, and God's intentionality that, that we should be adopted as children through Jesus We have redemption and forgiveness and and the richness of grace, of undeserved favor. We have been included in Christ, marked with the Holy Spirit. This is what Ephesians 1 tells us. It's a big picture, and it's very intentional. Now, it is easy to get caught up on the word. Um, You're probably sitting there with your Bible open. You're going, yeah, what's this word? He hasn't used it. The word translated is predestined in many English versions Translations. Graham uh, Jones saw that we were doing Ephesians 1 this morning and he, he started to salivate when he thought Brett's going to get into the whole issue of Calvinism and Arminianism and free will and limited atonement. It's, sorry, sorry, Graham. We're not going there. See, see in Paul's day, it was a simple uh, everyday word. 
<laughs> that was used. It just meant predetermined or, or purposed or designed or planned. Carried none of this language of theological debates uh, around Calvinism. And in fact, the early Greek-speaking Christians uh, certainly did not, did not see uh, it in these kind of terms. So we can relax. Yes, you really do have free will. Um, you, I, I know you feel like you do. It's actually true. You, you actually do uh, have free will to choose. But what Ephesians 1 also tells us is that we are chosen. We are chosen. Not in the sense that, you know, we're like exclusive with God, like and everybody else is like not. Not in that sense. But in the sense that he had us in mind before the beginning. It's not random. It's not accidental. It's more than chance that we see his work in our lives, his fingerprints on our living, his call to each one of us. Now, by the time we get to chapter two, we see that this, this grand plan includes us in a really specific way, that God has included us in his plan of salvation and that the God who had us in mind before creation crafted us with purpose and intention. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. We're his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You're a masterpiece. That's what you are. You're a masterpiece. God had you in mind before creation, and that makes you his masterpiece. Some translations use the word workmanship or handiwork or craftsmanship, but it all comes back to the same thought. You and I have been crafted, made, created. We have been lovingly handmade by our creator. And that's a key distinction. It's like we're handmade. We're not, we're not mass produced. We're more than our parents' choices. We're more than what we do. We're more than the mistakes we've made. Despite everything that might lead us to think we are less, we are more than all of that. You and I, in, in the creator's mind, before he got down to creation. You and I. A masterpiece, handmade, made by a master craftsman. Is that something that you can hear? Is it something that you can grab onto and, and actually accept? On your good days, maybe? How about on your bad days? You and I, masterpieces. But we're not just crafted. We're customized. We're not just crafted. We're also customized. There's a difference. See, we along with, with all of humanity have this innate value, this dignity, this worth, because we are crafted by God. In that sense, we are all the same. And not just us, everybody. Equal before God. But we are not the same. And that is a good thing. We're customized. Let's do the second half of Ephesians 2.10 with a bit more attention. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things 
he has planned for us long ago. We, we were created with a purpose in mind. There's a plan. So while we are not what we do, because we are human beings, not human doings, we were made with intentionality and with purpose that we might live into our, our unique design, our divine design. We are customized, crafted masterpieces. It's you and I. Not, not mass-produced not mass production line widgets. We can do the good things he planned long ago for us to do. Some years ago, I had the opportunity uh, to facilitate a course uh, called Network. And it's a course that's designed to help people explore uh, uh, their unique design and and to understand how how God has made us uh, to be so that he can shape us and that we can learn uh, where we fit and how we serve as part of the wider body of Christ. So there were three big ideas that this course had. The first one was that we could discover our God-given passion was the word that was used. Uh, secondly, that we could discover our spiritual gifts. And third, we could discover how we're wired. You know, what, are, what the, the combination of our personalities and temperaments uh, and experiences have created in us. And this first idea, this idea of, of God-given passion or calling is actually a critical one. It's a critical one if we're going to be a healthy church. It's really important. Because calling is more than just a a moment. Calling is more than duty or obligation. It's more more than filling a gap. It's more than taking our turn or the reverse of this, I've taken my turn, now it's your turn. Calling is more than this. More than this. It's more than rosters. It's more than square pegs in round holes. It's about living our design, our divine design in ways that are are congruent with who God has created us and crafted us and customized us to be. And if you like calling, the sense of calling, the passion, the things uh, that drive us, uh, help us to answer the why question. As we think about Uh, how we are part of the body of Christ. For example, I am passionate about including others. That's why I make the tea on a Sunday morning. See how uh, there's a why. There's a why question that sits in there behind. I'm passionate about including others, or there'll be any other number of why uh, motivations that we have. Or sometimes it answers the who question. Who will, I, who will I be found with? Who will you find me rubbing shoulders with? That will tell you a lot about what I'm called to. So maybe it's, I'm passionate. I'm passionate about young people discovering the fullness of who they are in Christ. That's why you'll find me serving at youth on Friday evening. Because I'm passionate about that. That's what I'm passionate. That's who I'm passionate about. The why and the who. So what's your why? And who is your who? Was it what's your who? Who is your who? Next week we'll get to the what. 
And, and, and we'll also get to the how the following week. But for, the, for now, what's your why? Who's your who? Now, I need, to get a, I need to get to a thought that I'm sure some of you are already thinking, especially uh, those of you that have a 52-week roster that you need to fill. Because you're like thinking, oh my gosh. They got, people are going to walk out and they're going to resign because it's not my why. It's all right. We, we, we got you. We got you. And it is really important you know, for a healthy church to be shaped around our calling. There are some things that fit in the category of family responsibility. I'm already thinking my kids are going to go home today and say, uh, Dad, I, I don't really think I'm called to do the dishes anymore. <laughs> They're already living out that reality. I would. <laughs> some things are about living as family and being together and doing things collectively. So yes, there are some things that we just take our turn in. But here's the truth. In some cases, even those tasks will be things that some people are uniquely called to do and uniquely gifted to do and shaped to do these things with joy. I'll give you an example. I'm not going to name any names, but I'll give you an example from uh, the early months uh, at ECW. We have one rostered task that someone confided in me Everyone who runs a roster right now is going, oh my gosh, what's he going to say? We have one roster tag that someone confided to me, they would like to do more regularly. I saw a couple of people go, like, reach, who is it? They're going through the list right now. If I could just work out who it is, I could fill a number of places. Like, like they'd, they'd like to do it at least a couple of times a month. I, I, think they'd do it, I think they'd do it weekly if their spouse would let them. They would do it fortnightly, at least. But the roster they're on doesn't allow them to. Interesting, eh? So there are things that we might do uh, because we need to take our turn. But some of those things will be things that some of us among us are actually really passionate about. And as we discover some of these things, it will actually free us from that sense of scarcity when it comes to roster time. Because we'll have people that are filled up by filling up our roster. So we have, we have an opportunity. This is not something that happens overnight. We have an opportunity to reflect personally and as a church on how we do some things, how we get organized around some things, and in the way we organize and empower people to more and more and more reflect our God-given shape how we are uniquely customized to love and to serve together so that we are more than rosters, more than obligation, but instead released to serve joyfully in ways that, that reflect how God has called us. And this week, if you're part of a small group uh, or if you're on our email list, you'll get the, the small group guide. You'll have an opportunity to reflect on some of this in your small groups. And that will be a part of how we shape uh, who we are, and some of this thought process will be shaping how we reorganize as a church in coming months. Watch this space. One final thought uh, from Ephesians 2.10. Got some bad news for you. It's not all about you. It's not all about you. It's not all about me. 
Let's read it again with a closer look at the pronouns. I think that's something you're supposed to do these days. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Interesting, eh? It's plural. The masterpiece is not these standalone works of art. If, if we're to read Ephesians 2 through that lens, there's a, there's a we and an us in all of this. And then there are some different ways that we could view this. We could kind of have this idea of the church as masterpiece. And maybe there'd be some stuff in the background and some stuff in the foreground. And then you'd find me, the little smudge in the corner where they made a mistake. We could, we could, we could look at it like that, couldn't we? We could, we could think about it like that. That, that, would, that would be powerful. Or maybe the church is like an art gallery, you know, where there's all these diverse pieces side by side. I could go with that. International Food Night was that, right? All these masterpieces that were being created. It was a, it was a food hall, an art gallery. That works for me. Or maybe another way to think about it, maybe it's like a community artwork, you know, like an artwork where everybody gets to splash their paint on it and then something amazing, hopefully, uh, emerges from the random chaos of it all. Maybe we're like, more like a community artwork where the, where the beauty just emerges from the collaboration. I think that happens already. I know it happens on a Friday here. We do these English language classes every week. Every week, Hazel and Belinda and Daisy turn up to just offer hospitality to people who are finding a home in New Zealand and for whom language is a real barrier. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Some of them were here last night. It's a beautiful thing. That's, that's artwork. Sometimes these community projects that we're a part of, there's, there's a lot that you don't see behind the scenes. See, on Tuesday, a whole bunch of people turn up and drink coffee. And after they've drunk coffee... They sort and they iron and they clean and they fix and they organize Raywin and her team putting together what goes into the Hope Shop. And then people come and they sell. They volunteer to be in that shop during the week and on Saturday. It's beautiful. I mean, it's good. They get the stuff that they need, but that's not really what they get. They get something much more beautiful than that. They get an open door people who are prepared to talk and share with them, to give them time. It's a place where they get to, a lot of these people are repeat visitors. They come time and time again. It's, it's more than just all of that. But you can imagine, you'd see, this is a community artwork of some scale when you think about what goes into it. So we, we're already doing some of this stuff. I think that's a good metaphor for, for a lot of what we do. We're, we're, we're community artworks. But however we want to capture the, this idea of us, it's a really important thing for us to, to grab, that God has created us as a masterpiece, the church. He has had each of us in mind since before creation, and now we are his masterpiece, the church. Last week we looked at uh, God's fingerprints 
in the world and how Acts 17 tells us that it's no accident that we live in this time and in this place. It's all a part of God's design. I think we're getting the same kind of echo of this in Ephesians 2. This this sense of time and place that we are called to be God's masterpiece in this time and place. Now, there's a few implications I think come out of this. This one, there's not just a place for everyone, like I think that goes without saying, but you and I are a part of this masterpiece, whatever else we might think about how much, how much, how little or how much we have to offer. We are, we are more than how valuable we or others think we are in the life of the church. We're already a part of it. And this is not just about what we have to offer, but, but who we are. Children of God caught up in this great artwork that God is revealing because we are more than what we can do for each other. And we are much more than what we can do for the church. But here's another thought. It's been going quite well these last few months, so I thought now's the time to push it out a little bit. We're more than volunteers. In fact, I'd go as far as to say that the term volunteer is an oxymoron for the church. It's the wrong term. See, we're actually part of something that goes far beyond the idea of volunteering. Volunteering in the church is like volunteering to be a part of your family. Actually, you know, I think about that. I quite like that idea, actually. As a volunteer father, <coughs> this week I am removing my taxi driving services. But you get what I'm saying? Like, in all seriousness, you can't unvolunteer from something that you are part of in this deeper way, which is, which is very different, let's be clear, from doing anything. I'm not talking about the doing as much as I'm talking about the being. If we take verses like um, this one in 1 Corinthians 12 seriously, I think we begin to see the real beauty of what God is creating. Uh, here it is in uh, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Now that is something beautiful. Being part of something where that is true. That is something amazing. That is a masterpiece. Now, maybe Paul had in mind, because he was talking about the feet, uh, maybe he had in mind your pinky toe. I, I should have put a pup, like some people I know have a real f- foot aversion, um, and I'm really sorry, sorry, not sorry, um, about that. But the pinky toe, it doesn't really do anything, right? It's like, it's a lesser part. Um, and yet, we can't actually do without the structure of that fifth toe in our foot. See, even though the pinky toe itself has no functional value, removing the metatarsal bone that connects the toe, the pinky toe to the heel, would make running and jumping and walking just about impossible. It's a lesser part. And sometimes we do it very special honor, especially when it reminds us how wide door frames are from time to time. So spatially it's helping you as well as with your balance. It's more than we think it is. And so are each one of us.
more than. The question is not whether we, whether we fit, but how we fit. How we fit. And I think there's some room for us to grow here as a church family. Because we are called to paint something together. We are called to paint something together. And the picture that we're, we're painting is captured in our vision. It's captured in who we say we are. People who are growing. People growing. Not through our own efforts, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. People who are growing. And people who are reaching. People who are reaching others with the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the picture that we're painting. It's a picture of you and I putting aside those things that, that make us the selfish, weak, self-absorbed people that we so often are, and instead becoming those people that more and more reflect the character of Christ. And it's about you and I putting aside all that might be about our own self-interest and instead doing whatever we can, as we talked about last week with Paul, becoming all things to all people so that by all possible means some might be saved, reaching others the very good news of Jesus. This is what we're painting. It's what we're painting. It's why we bothered with last night. Because what we're doing in Edgewater College is, is an exercise in honoring the less presentable parts. It's an exercise in reaching others. Opening the doors and, and inviting people into the space is the same thing. Like, honestly, if we just wanted to make them, put them, get the money, we'd just create a list and like, you know, John, can you do, how, how much can you do? Because we, we still want, yeah. we could just make a list. You could, if it was just about that, we wouldn't do these other things. And there's a place for everyone in this, a, a plot for everyone to play in this. And there's an opportunity for us to, to explore this and, and to explore how we fit and how we fit together. Because we're crafted by God. We're created with this, uh, this value and this dignity. We, we were in God's mind before he even got to creation. And we're customized, we're shaped. You and I are uniquely shaped to play a unique part. And God gives the church everything the church needs to be the church that God has called it to. We have everything that we need within our community, within our body. We have it all. We need to unlock how God is shaping us because it is an us thing. It's a we thing. And, and we have a picture that we're painting, this picture of being people growing and people reaching. I'm really looking forward to continuing this journey in this series and unpacking this a little more. And there's some things that are coming up that you'll be wanting to keep your ears and eyes open for because we're going to start doing a few things. Uh, I'd love to be inviting you into them as we do it. For the moment, let's take a moment to pray together and to continue to worship and to acknowledge all of these things uh, that God says are true about us and true about him, true about his church and true about the world that he sends us to reach. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful beyond measure that you have called each one of us by name, that you've called us to the family of the church, that you've called us 
to be people who live with intent and with a sense of purpose, a sense of value, and the ability to make a contribution. So God, would you deepen those truths in us that we might be able to find just exactly how it is you've shaped us and called us. We give you thanks and praise that you would include us in the great mission that you have for the church. In the name of Jesus, amen.